From Muhlenberg College, this is 2400 Chew. I'm your host, Shakita Griffin. In each episode of this podcast, I talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. For this episode, I spoke with Nate Lombardi, class of 2000, president of the Groovy Projects Worldwide, Synced Studios, Inc. As I do with most of these interviews, I began the conversation by asking how and when Nate became interested in his occupation. I moved to New York, did a, I first did a cruise ship right out of college. I didn't even go to senior week, jumped on a cruise ship and sang in, an, uh, in Italy for a few months. And I was on uh, some TV shows. And I did some off-Broadway and some big Broadway fundraisers and uh, was living that life as well as I was creating my own music called Jafunk, which is the old jazz standards mixed with hip-hop. So I got an opportunity to work with Alan Cumming and Peter Guns and Jane Monheit and Lauren Kinnan. These are all Grammy and best-selling author kind of uh, recording artists. So I did that uh, as a in the performing world, and I met this Emmy and Tony Award-winning producer named Jennifer Maloney Prezioso, and she heard my music that I was creating at a rap party that I was in a movie, and she said, I got to get this CD, because it was a CD at the time, and uh, I said, well, it's a demo I'm working on, and I was working with a bunch of students from Juilliard, and that was really fun uh, because these kids were getting paid to go to Juilliard uh, stipends. It was the first year Wynton Marcellus handpicked these students. So I was working on this demo and she said, I want to help you make this CD. I'm a producer on As the World Turns and I want you to be on my show. And I said, well, I want to, I want to focus on, I want to focus on the recording artist thing because at the time, Justin Timberlake didn't know it, but we were rivals. He was super talented he could do all these things and I could tap dance and play piano and sing and beatbox and rap. So we, we had a, a, a rivalry he never knew about. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I did that. And then um, around 2012 bullying, online bullying and bullying, really cyber bullying came to the forefront. And we me, meaning me and Jen, uh, shot a music video with one of my songs up at a school in upstate New York, uh, a school, a BOCI school where all of the students are expelled from other schools for behavioral issues. And they go to this one school called a BOCI school. So we shot a music video with what I had created. And it was a one shot video. And it was really fun because the guy we brought up had just shot Rihanna in the Super Bowl. So we brought him up and it was really fun for the kids and it was a positive video. And that was kind of my moment of clarity where I wanted to combine entertainment and education uh, and empowerment. That was my moment of clarity. And then 2020 came up and covered us and a lot of celebrities retweeted it. So that was the beginning of my nonprofit called The Groovy Projects. And for about 10 years, I worked in the most underserved places in the country, Flint, Michigan, the Bronx, Far Rockaway, Brooklyn, Queens, and uh, all over. And around 2018, when Black Panther came out, mm -hmm. I was working with students in Harlem, and I was going to the United Nations a bunch to work with youth 
and these programs that they had. And I realized that the UN was really missing the boat on how to, to reach our youth. And I thought, and you know, Black Panther came out, we saw black superheroes on stage saving the world. And it was so, so amazing for all of us. That's when I thought, how do we make Wakanda Rwanda? How do we put spinach on our pizza and make it, you know, delicious? Uh, But also, how do we make kids better global citizens while they're just kicking ass? And that's when I just created this idea called the Legion of Eccentrics. It's kind of like X-Men. The only difference is we are involving uh, the crowd and the amateurs uh, in the creation of the universe. So like you take X-Men, roll it through the fans and crowd, and you get the Legion of Eccentrics or the Eccentrics. Because kids, they don't consume, I mean, they don't they don't uh, just watch entertainment. They consume it and they participate in it now. I've seen a lot of eye rolls in uh, in my years working with kids, trying to make fun things educational. So I just thought, how do we give them the Avengers, but make it theirs? And that's where I came up with this idea. I was like, they play video games. It's what they do. The gaming industry is way bigger than the film and TV industry. Let's do that. And then I told my buddy, Tyjus Burgess about it, who is, he's a big deal actor. He was on the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And he said, I don't know about video games, but that's a TV show, Nate. I don't know anything about it. And I said, well, yeah, of course it's a TV show, but you know, gaming is really where you hit the kids. And he said, okay, cool. Well, you let me know when you want to get into TV because I don't know anything about gaming. So that was <laughs> the first confirmation that I got that this idea had legs. And uh, so from that point on, I started really focusing on it and fleshing it out with professionals from Marvel and DC and uh, and different people. So I have for the last four years, been building uh, Sync Studios, which is syncing together the audience and professionals. I love that. I really love that story because it's such an example that it's not a linear path, you know, that you can kind of start in one place and things morph and change as you learn more and see more and do more to get you to this point in time. So I think that's a really cool you know, pathway and example that you're able to share. I really, really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, it's funny because as all mules know, theater is a big deal. And I was a theater major and an entrepreneurial studies minor to appease my father. And I dropped it. I dropped my entrepreneurial studies minor because I was going from acting class and stuff that was really filling up my cup to microeconomics and that and statistics and that was not what was doing it for me i was not feeling that and here i am an entrepreneur 20 some years later going man i probably should have taken micro (laughs) well i did i did take it um but uh but i didn't like it uh and i think what you're doing is very cool because if you listen to books or read books um this woman named Angela Duckworth wrote this book about grit and it's a really interesting book. And I recommend it to everyone listening because it talks about how sometimes oftentimes actually the most gifted of us don't succeed because they have been raised gifted and there's a certain level of entitlement. Whereas you have, if you have those hard work workers that just grind through things that 
oftentimes is the factor that makes the biggest difference. To expand on that idea of grit, I'm sure in creating this project that you're so passionate about, you had naysayers or you had people telling you no. So could you talk me through kind of some of the challenges that you faced in becoming an entrepreneur and in launching Sync? In the world of recording artists, there's a lot of things that that are not within your control. So I was making music and it's so objective that you can like it or not. Uh, and the powers that be can kind of tap it uh, and make it happen or not. And it's changed in the last 20 years because now recording artists can go direct to, to consumers, to their listeners. At the time there was a big, a big wall between starving recording artists and New York City is chock full of geniuses everywhere you look that are unrealized. So uh, now grit matters uh, even more because all you have to do is prove out your concept and prove that there's 1,000 fans out there that love you, that will buy your stuff, that will do your stuff. And what does that take? That takes grit. That just, I mean, if you're not terrible, and I don't think anybody that at Muhlenberg is terrible or they wouldn't be there, you uh, you just gotta, you just gotta, you just gotta grind. I mean, the list of no's and the lists of good job, uh, let me know when this is further along that I've received is, I mean, it's a scroll that would wrap around the earth. And then when you do something that people go, wow, that is a great idea. And then you go, cool, you want to fund it? They go, no, but great idea. Cool. I love what you're doing with children. I love what you're doing. Like it's so important. It's so interesting. And then they don't put up the support that you need to make things happen because you can do a lot with automation now. AI is going to change the planet. It already is in many ways. Automation and technology make things easier. So you don't have to know every skill. You can outsource skills if you're into listening or reading books. Tim Ferriss talks about this in the four-hour work week, how you can get virtual assistance. You can do things internationally to help you do what you're supposed to do, to hang in your area or your zone of genius, as opposed to your zone of excellence or your zone of what you do fairly well. So what do you do really well that you should be spending all your time? Where do you get 20% uh, of the work and where are you getting 80% of your yield? Where do you focus your attention? Because I have wasted a lot of time. I have worked very hard, but harder doesn't always mean smarter. You can run very fast in place. This is true. This is, this is something that I've learned over and over again as I get old. I really appreciate you sharing that because I think oftentimes taking that current student lens for a second, you know, they might see you and feel like that's already the success. and understanding the work that it took even to get to the level you're at, the work that it's taking to elevate to the next level, you know, sometimes that's harder to see and harder to know, right? What really goes into it. It really is. I, I, I haven't had an IPO, an, an initial public offering, right? I haven't, I haven't made my millions in, in one day. Everything has come gradually. There are milestones that I'm very proud of. But it is, it has not been, and I don't know if, I'm sure, I mean, there are exceptions to the rule where one day change your life, but most of the people that I admire 
that one day that that they that they arrived at took 10 20 years of work to get there and so it really is who can last the longest who can have the fortitude to persevere and there are people that went to Muhlenberg that I know that have a lot more money than I do, that probably have multiple houses and maybe jets. Uh, that has never been really my thing. I've always kind of been impact focused and wanted to share my heart and create a life of, of purpose for me. Um, and that could be anything, it, whether it's someone that's a father that or a mother that just wants to be the best parent and take care of their children. For me, my purpose is I want to spread empathy around the planet. And how do you do that with the arts? Because storytelling is, is the answer for me. Uh, I remember seeing Gene Kelly and going, or different movies or different plays that have changed my life and have healed me. And that has been for me uh, kind of the North Star. How do I create art that connects people? And by people creating together and playing together in a safe, fun, diverse space, is what to me will help save the planet because technology is happening at a blistering pace and we're going to be able to blow each other up or poison each other very easily in the next 50 to 100 years. If we can't get people to care about each other, then we are doomed as a human race. The planet will survive, the humans won't. So unless we get to Mars or the space stations, where, you know, Jeff Bezos, you can talk to, the, to Elon and Jeff about that. But for me, uh, how do we get people to start caring about people so they're not statistics and they're not these others? That is, for me, the othering of people mm -hmm. is the biggest problem. Definitely. And again, I love the passion behind the work that you're doing. You know, to take a dive into what does the actual, you know, work look like? So I would imagine there's no such thing as a typical day, <laughs> but if you could give me a sense of, you know, what is the work? Is it taking meetings, working with the students, whatever type of overview you're able to share? So my day today, I woke up and I journaled. And then, uh, and my journals aren't as fluffy and, oh my goodness, the sky was so blue. It's like, this is what I did. This is what I got to do. This is where, what I'm feeling. Uh, a little bit. Uh, so I journaled a little bit and then I jumped on a meeting and sent a bunch of uh, messages to my comic book team. So right now we are creating one of the world's first collaborative comics. We have a Marvel and a DC artist named Elvin Hernandez. He did the what they call the sketches or the the penciling of a comic. And then we had a contest and we got two winners and one winner's Javiana is doing the colors and the lettering and the other is doing the inking. His name is Cesar. And uh, it's been a team. I'm paying them professional rates to learn and work with Elvin. And we have 14 questions that we're sending out to the crowd that we say, okay, cool. Should we do this or should we do this? Should the character say this or should they say this? Should it be this color or this color? Should their glasses be? So it's a fun thing that this is the whole point of what I'm trying to do is make it a collaborative process. Okay. So, um, so I send a couple emails uh, about that because the lettering looks amateur right now. So I've now brought in a professional letterer named Clay and Clay is done a, a huge amount of lettering and he's a very successful comic book writer and editor. So he's going to now mentor Javiana on how to make those 
balloons in the comics look professional. So that's what I did the first thing in the morning. And then I had a meeting with two of my team members. One, they, they help run the website. Uh, one is, her name is Erin. She just left the Navy. So she's helping me run things. And, we, and then we have Frank. And we talked about Comic Book Curious Network, which is our media arm. How do we take what we've been building for two years? We have over 500 articles. We have over 40 million hits on TikTok and 6 million hits on YouTube. And, you know, CBC, CBC Comic Book Curious Network, CBC in Asia, CBC in Africa, CBC in Latin America, Comic Book Curious Network. So we're on all platforms. How do we take what we've built and then focus that today for the next few weeks on the legions of eccentrics because we're now coming out with our comics we're ready for that we're ready to do that how do we we have anywhere from two to fifteen thousand viewers uh readers a month on our uh, a week on our website so how do we take those readers and say hey you we want you to be part of this so that was my next meeting and then after that i had a meeting with a lawyer from miami uh to talk about the intellectual property and patent law and copyright law and tr uh trademark law so that's another thing that I did today. And then I got back on the computer and I sent a bunch of emails to my network about what I've been up to because I've been working hard about networking the right people. Your team is almost more important than your idea. Who is in your corner? Uh, it's very important to have mentors and peers that can inspire you. So I've sent a, a bunch of uh, emails uh, kind of updating them what I'm up to with a very succinct one pager and a link showing, you know, a five minute presentation. So you're not wasting their time, you're respecting their time, but at the same time, you're keeping them in a loop because you want to respect people's time because that is their most important resource and valuable resource. So that is so far my day. And I will continue that when we get off the phone and uh, have another meeting after that. Does that help? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And, you know, the the piece I want to zero in on with that is that relationship building and networking, because like you said, you can't achieve it alone. Right. And especially goes right in hand with the mission of your work of bringing people together. Uh, you're, you're having it in action yourself in building these relationships. So can you tell me what does that look like? Do you get nervous in reaching out to people, making those initial introductions, and then how you mentioned sending them the updates, but what are those things you do to then sustain those relationships? I come from a performance background. So this stuff might be a little, come a little bit easier to me than most people, because I kind of don't mind being uh, the focus of people's attention. What I get oftentimes, every time pretty much is people they get on board with me and they follow me or support me in many ways because of my passion. Not because of anything else, but he really cares. He really wants to make this happen and he has a noble mission. So if I get in my groove talking about something and then I'm good to go, uh, the initial awkwardness of it can be uh, avoided. If you do your research and go, okay, cool, you're a mother of five, or you were raised in this place, or you are an Eagles fan, or you were one of the first things you should ask, what is this person's passion? 
if you approach someone that you want to mentor you or that you want to keep in touch with or you want advice from, uh, knowing that they are very busy and they have a hundred people um, that that are asking them something today, how do you how do you be different in the right way? And be bold because people like, first of all, they like when people are open and honest and they're not trying to put on a front. For a young person that to have stuff figured out or at least have clarity or have a good head about them, you should not feel intimidated because you are the generation that we are all trying to capture. And for me, I'm trying to go after Gen Z. I'm trying to go after 15 year olds. I'm not making this universe for me. I'm not making it. It's for the youth. And I just had this conversation with my 10 year old nephew said, this is your planet. It's not mine. This is, this is yours. So do not feel shy uh, about asking advice favors. You know, there's a, an adage where it's, if you want to ask for money, ask for advice. Fundraising is hard. Fundraising is hard, but if you have a passion and you have a good, someone that you can team up with, then just go for it. Don't wait. Do not wait. You will learn. You will get beat down. You got to go back to those YouTube motivational videos. Listen, listen to those and pump yourself back up and get back at it because it truly is who can, can hang and who has a stick to it. And, and, and it might be rough. I do not envy people that have lives that are, that are unfulfilled that have lots of things and no purpose. I've living in New York City for almost 20 years. You see these people all the time and you go, that person is definitely a millionaire, definitely owns all the fancy cars and a jet and they're miserable. They're absolutely miserable, especially with the technology that exists today, I imagine. And from what I've read, this generation, expects more respect. They expect to be able to talk to a CEO. They expect to have constant feedback. Whereas old school people would, uh, they would be scared to talk to a boss. Uh, And uh, so as long as you're polite, respectful, and have good intentions, be bold. I appreciate you calling us old school people. I'll take that as our. (laughs) (laughs) It is what it is, you know. (laughs) But beyond that, you know, what I really appreciate is that idea of be authentic. Find your passion, find your interest, having that be a part of your purpose, and then be authentic about that. Be willing to share that, be open about it. And that it really is what you're saying is at the base of creating these relationships, you know, be bold, be willing to go after it. So I really love that advice. It can be scary. Don't, don't get me wrong, but what you get better at it. I was asked to be part of uh, this group. Some of these groups, these networking groups have uh, kind of an invite only policy where they ask, I'll give you two examples. One is called the summit series. Um, And the summit series is started with this guy named Elliot, who started taking his rich friends on a ski trip. He took out a loan to take him on and he took 20 of his friends on a ski trip and he talked about how they could save the world. And they all had an amazing time. They went out, they did, they partied and they talked about the world and they loved it. And then they started bringing their friends in and they started. So it's basically 
C-level, C-suite, which is like CEO, COO, those type of people or founders like myself or famous people or successful people in some in their in their sectors. And then you're invited in, you have an interview, like a 20 minute interview with their head of community. And then they say, cool, well, we'd love to see you. And then you pay an exorbitant amount of money to go to these conferences. But the Summit Series, they own a mountain for $45 million. You can go for a ski trip for a weekend. You can go on a cruise ship for $10,000. For So if you can't afford that, you can work at a Summit event. If you're an intern, you can meet these people. They're there. My first Summit event, Jeff Bezos, Jessica Alba, Kobe Bryant, Andre Agassi, Shonda Rhimes. Like it was like every top person in their fields Quincy Jones was, you know, it was all these top people there and they had dozens of workers, uh, if not hundreds of workers there. So how do you get in that space to be around those people, right? Because you could, you could spend your time hanging out in wherever USA and not be around where the real talent is, or you can go right to the talent, see what you can do, whose coffee you can get, what can you do to be in the room where they go, I got an idea. Do you have an idea? Who, who are you? Do you have an idea? And you have, if you have an idea, you've been listening, and you're smart enough, then they go, you know what? That's right. Why don't you come back to the next meeting? That's how stuff happens. Fortune favors the bold. So that's what I would say about networking. From that network, I was then introduced to another network called Nexus Global because someone said, oh, you're in an impact. You should join Nexus. I got into Nexus and that's how I got to the UN. That's how it works. People, you out there, you tell about what you're passionate about, how you want to make the world a better place. And then that's it. That's the rest will take care of itself. I love that. So to go back into the work that you're doing, what has been the most challenging and the most rewarding aspects as founder? Challenging, raising money. Being someone that, that is from a Pennsylvania Dutch German background, we don't like to ask for things. We like to do things. It's, there's a pride in that. And I constantly have to remind myself, I'm asking for money to make the world a better place. This is not for me. This is for the youth. This is for the planet. And that is helping to embolden me because that is a challenge. Asking people and getting turned down is a challenge. Yeah. And it takes a thick skin. You have to really believe in it. And almost all of the companies, if it's not started by a computer programmer, you know, alone in their room, creating the, the what they need to create everything else even when though that computer programmer did it there's eventually going to be other people involved yes and they're eventually going to have to buy into that that has been such a challenge for me personally some people love to do it they love to fundraise they love that for me i hate it and mm-hmm. i have edited it and it has and it has clipped my wings in my career if i were more bold with it i would mm-hmm. be in a different place and I, that's a new, that's a new commitment I'm making to myself is I have these incredible people in my life, whether they're celebrities or whether they're billionaires or whatever. And I need to just buck up and go. That has been a huge challenge for even an old man. What has been most gratifying for me, I got to tell you, it's the moments where you see impact individually. And this is a very interesting thing to know about storytelling Bill Gates talks about this, where you can say over 2 billion people are earning less than $2 a day. And you tell that story to someone and they go, that means nothing to me. You go, no, 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 literally people are, they're starving. Thank you. Thank you. So what's for dinner, right? Like it literally doesn't resonate 
But if you tell a, if you tell one story about one mm-hmm. person that is starving and this is they're brilliant and this is how they got this way and this is this is what they did and look at this piece of art and whatever and if you tell that one story that is a way to get people excited about making change so that those one stories that's how storytelling works usually there's a protagonist they go through a journey and they arrive as a different changed person how do you tell that story trying to get wherever whether you're trying to uh help with finances or you're trying to help feed the planet or whatever it is know that the power of storytelling usually happens on a more personal level not big statistics i can give you a few of my fun stories after i did a comic book jam last year one of the participants said i just feel valid right now i can't wait to see what all of us will create it has given me confidence has given me a whole new perspective on myself. And I, I just am so inspired by that, that that's what makes it worth it for me. Right. Cause Definitely. you go, okay, oh, I can do it for that one person. How many other people aren't saying that, but are feeling that I was in Flint, Michigan before I went, I, got, I went to Flint, Michigan for five or six years in a row and worked with the students and before the water crisis was uh, known and after so a lot of these students were damaged. Uh, their brain had been damaged by the lead poisoning and the, uh, from the water. Two moments in Flint. One, the first one we did, the first time I went to Flint was, I believe, in 2014 or 2016. And uh, it was the second highest murder rate in the country. And, um, and I went, I said to the students that we were making a music video. Uh, they were writing it, they were producing it, they were, and we brought professionals from New York to do it. And uh, I said, well, what, what would you tell the planet? What do you want to tell the world about yourself here in Flint? You know, cause you, you're all pretty awesome here. And one student said, well, I'd say we're not our crime rate. So that was our song, we're not our crime rate. It was awesome. It was awesome. What came out of these brilliant, brilliant kids feeling like they had to hide because they're from a certain place it was heartbreaking so that and another year in flint we went back and the kids had to uh they were getting um i'm getting (laughs) pardon me but see that just goes again to show how much you believe in it and that's that passion that you're talking about you know that you really have connected to these students that you've had the opportunity to work with. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I went back and these kids are very poor, <clears throat> very poor. And they did this video. They had a competition to make music videos amongst themselves. And the winners, uh, they got to, um, to help their community. So here they here they were, and they were competing to win an iPhone, and they were competing to uh, uh, do these things, and they had to do something in their community. So they got to go. We went to Sam's Club, and we got we we had a budget, and we we got a whole bunch of stuff, socks and clothes and food and whatever, for a men's homeless shelter, and to see these kids that are poor themselves, be so excited to be able to give things to people less fortunate than them. I had to hide behind a car and cry. Oh, yeah. 
No, definitely touching. I mean, I'm sure you have so many amazing experiences like that that you'd be able to share. And to be able to see the direct impact of your work is so fulfilling. So, you know, thank you for sharing those examples. It's really awesome work that you're doing. Yeah. So how do we make that global, right? How do you yeah. how do you connect a kid from Nigeria to a kid in Brazil to a kid in Harlem to a kid in Beverly Hills? And say, we're not as different as you think, right? So in our video game, we have the legion of eccentrics, right? So we have 10 different legions and it's kind of like Harry Potter. So you have the four houses in Harry Potter, the, you know, Slytherin. And and I was so proud that I was a Gryffindor, right? And it's ridiculous how proud I was. Uh, But that's, that's, that's normal, right? People want to belong to something, right? Yes. Uh, So uh, we have 10 different legions. We have the legions of brainiacs, the legion of performers, the legion of artists, the legion of athletes, the legion of racers, the legion of weaponers, the legion of brawlers, uh, you know, the legion of magicians. Uh, so the legion of sharpshooters. So you think about gaming and what people do for fun and what legions would you be a part of, right? And Love so it. we're going to have you be part of, okay, well, what, what do you think, uh, what would you say your legions would be if you had to pick out of what I just mentioned, what what I kind might, of I might go the Legion of Brainiacs. The Legion of Brainiacs. Okay, that's your first, and then say this, the second one would be like your Legion of Magicians because you have such charisma about you. You are a Legion of you're first a Brainiac and then a Magician, right? And that's and then you go through our gaming gauntlet, and then you find out, oh my gosh, I'm also uh, part of the Legion of Athletes because I did this thing really well, and the and a Legion of uh, the Legion of Brawlers because I was really good at this game. What? I never thought about that myself. So you might have more in common with a 13-year-old boy from Costa Rica because of what you're passionate about, your personality, your skills, than you would someone that is your age that looks like you in this community. And how do you connect people in that way? So it's yeah. not like you're 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 this and I'm a that. It's a we're this. And then you we will have superheroes. So say you are a brainiac and a magician, which, and you, you're obviously outgoing and you have this type of charisma about you. So then you would be like on team, let's just say you'd be on team Claire from England and cause she has all those qualities. So, so you and this Costa Rican boy would be on the same legion cause you're both brainiacs and this, and then you, then you guys can like show that off and, and you would, we would need your skill set in our game to complete our missions. And that is, you know, what I was saying about creating a safe, fun, diverse space yes. for people to play in. Yeah, I love it. And it's building community, like you said, on so many different levels and also helping people find community or introducing them, right, in the ways that they wouldn't have otherwise thought about. So I love how multifaceted that is. And somebody would say, oh, from playing a video game, right? But it really can build all of those layers in the in that world so that's very cool yeah the the cool part about it is uh so our comic books like i said they will be interactive so we'll take ideas and then our tv shows you know we will work with the directors and the producers with we will take suggestions and should should they bust through the wall or jump over the wall should should the explosion be blue or red you know all of those things it will be truly interactive because that's the future and that's what's going to differentiate us from the rest because you know, Marvel and DC, they have over 5,000 characters and amazing storylines and amazing things happening there. But uh, it's different than actually being part of it. Imagine if, you know, you were Captain India instead of Captain America and you're one of 1 billion Indians. What does that feel like that you have that on your lunchbox and that on your backpack and that in your toothbrush? So that right there is 
you know, national pride, but global citizenship. That's kind of. Yeah, I love it. So as we are bringing this conversation to a close, I want to ask you, what is the guidance or advice that you would give to someone who's interested in being you, right? In doing the type of work (laughs) that you're doing. However you want to answer that, whether that's from that entrepreneurial lens, whether that's from what you've learned throughout your career journey, but what is the advice that you would give to somebody who's pursuing this type of path? I would say, ask a lot of questions. I would say, don't wait. Don't wait. I would say, find your tribe of five people Mm -hmm. that inspire you. I would say, find some type of financial security while you're building and pursuing your dreams because you won't be at your best. There's different schools of thought. People are like, if you have a backup, I'm not saying have a backup. I'm having financial, having some financial stability lets you have the freedom to make decisions that you can make with a clear head. If you are broke sleeping on a floor and you are only eating ramen noodles and you don't have opportunities to pursue what you need to pursue, it's a lot harder than if you have something that is supporting you along the way, something that you like, something that doesn't drain your soul because there are so many jobs and their jobs are going to change in the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 jobs are just going to keep on changing, especially what's going on with AI. So try to find something at a young age, something that you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do, what I like performing. I like creating, get into the creative field. I have a buddy that I, that works at HBO is like a booker or something. He's not a director or a writer at HBO. He's working there in sales or whatever, but he also does stuff on the side that helps his creative platform. And and he's able to do stuff and use resources from HBO, like do something in your field of interest, which might change. It's quite possible, but get your hands dirty. And if you impress people, whether it's bringing in the best coffee or bringing in the ideas and being overprepared and being valuable, how do you show your value? And knowing that your opinion matters, being someone who's younger, we need the, we need the perspective of the youth. That is a very important perspective that you should own. And then you should say, you walk up to someone and say, yeah, I'm here to represent, you know, your 20s to 30-year-olds because we're the demographic you're looking for. Let me tell you what, what you are missing the boat on in a kind, respectful, considerate, thoughtful way you will be very valuable. So how do they be me? You go after things and you don't be shy about your passion. If anybody wants to reach out, I told you this earlier, I had five interns from a different university this summer. They had a podcast they created. They did this Twitter thing. I paid them. I don't know. I And this is the thing. What did they create of value that I can use now? And what was valuable for them? All of those things uh, bosses think about, good bosses think about a lot. So um, what would you do if you were the boss? What would, how would you make yourself valuable to the boss is, is something that you should be asking yourself if you have a boss, if you're going to be 
your own boss, then you 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 try to think about, okay, cool. I'm not going to do this by myself. Who can fill in my gaps? Where can I, what communities can I be part of? What can I do? Who can I be around? What questions can I ask? This episode of 2400 Chew was produced by the Office of Alumni Affairs at Muhlenberg College. It was recorded and engineered in the studios of WMUH, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band. 